0: Live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio, the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong
1: and Joe Getty. is Armstrong and Getty. Live from Studio C. C. Senior. A dimly lit room, not dimly lit enough. Alex, can you more dim in the lights? Please, thank you very much. Light is uh, glaring off of his dome. Exactly, I have a shiny head. Um, uh, dimly lit room, etc., etc. Today we're under the tutelage, of, thank you, of our general manager. Mandates,
2: mandates, vaccine, vaccine passports, etc. Okay, boy, are people whipped
1: up about this? Interesting. Uh, you're just uh, in general, or you're seeing in the email, or uh yeah, yeah both, really.
2: Yeah, definitely, our peeps and and uh, we have expressed uh, more sympathetic views toward the idea than uh, than they uh, approve of.
1: <laughs> okay, um, hey, now it's Friday. You wear that party time, time to party. Big finish.
2: The Taliban are partying, Jack. You going to party with them? Is that the party you want to join? Hmm?
1: Hmm? I'm looking hmm? up at CNN, and uh, Clarissa Ward is reporting there. It says underneath her, chaos from the airport. Still chaos at the airport. Yeah. Saw a report of somebody that had uh, uh, dual citizenship, U.S. and Afghan citizenship. They are a doctor, something like that. So they got a text from... The United States, I guess that's what we're doing. We're texting people and saying, come to the airport. How do I get here? I don't know. That's up to you. But come to the airport. So this guy and his wife came to the airport and got whipped by the Taliban uh, outside of the airport. But then was eventually able to get in. That's funny. John Kirby, the spokesman for the Pentagon, said yesterday they're not aware of anybody being impeded. Oh, I forgot. I was uh, thought of this line this morning. He must have been flying United. There you go. (laughs) The way they've treated me in the past. Ouch. Oh my. <laughs> um Yeah, that that's just incredible. That is just incredible that we that we're sending out uh messages to US citizens saying, we cannot safely get you to the airport, but you should come.
2: You might take a whipping or two, but uh <laughs> hey, good news. We're serving a meal on your flight. Yeah.
1: Oh, my favorite thing that they released yesterday, the favorite the best statement of the day was We've decided not to charge for the flights out of Kabul International Airport. We are wow. going to, We are not going to charge you for this. Oh, really? Oh, okay. So you let the country fall completely apart without telling us ahead of time, and now I'm fighting for my life to get to the airport, so you're not going to charge me to fly out. Thank you very much. <laughs> After spending a trillion dollars, a lot of it just sucked away by criminals, including the president who flew away. Uh, last weekend with $160 million. Thanks for not charging me a couple hundred bucks to fly out of here. I appreciate that. That nice of you. We, uh,
2: we need a couple of volunteers on the flight. We are overbooked. If you are willing to leave the airport, go out and get whipped. <laughs> we have a
1: $400 travel voucher for you. <laughs> Can anybody adjust their schedule? And a tote bag. <laughs> Wow! We should start the show officially. Yeah, we ought. to. Uh, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this Friday, August twentieth, year twenty twenty one. Where Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program.
2: Let us begin now officially, according to FCC rules and regulations. Here we go. At Mark, uh,
0: we're our focus right now. Uh, the 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 thing we're 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 working against right now is is time and space.
2: Working against time and space. And bearded dudes with guns, too. Time and space and and the bearded dudes.
1: Yeah. yeah. Fundamentalists with whips. That's who you're working against. Yeah. Geez, I don't know. I don't know what you would do if you lived there. If it was just me, it'd be one thing. If it's me and my family, oh, boy. That's a rough one. But staying's not really an option, so absolutely not no although getting
2: to the airport is incredibly fraught as we were discussing yesterday the very act of going to the airport suggests that you are working with the government or despise the Taliban or we're working with the uh, the Americans or an NGO or whatever um, and so it's incredibly dangerous and the word is when the sun goes down and the news cameras and and the people with the uh, the phones can't get as good video that's when the real mayhem begins outside the airport and they do what they wanna the Taliban does yes Michael you think they have first class and coach on these flights I
1: certainly should I think no. they have just cattle car I think instead of uh, first class and coach they have whipped or shot toward Gemini dark those of you sitting in whipped can bag <laughs> you can load first please put your bag in the first available bin this is a half full flight yeah well, more half full flights uh flying out of there yesterday which is which <clears throat> they, they won't say it out loud, but that only means one thing. Sure. There Nobody can get there. there. People can't get to the airport in the numbers that you are prepared for. My question
2: is, are they going to enlarge the aperture to, I can't even remember the rest of that mumbo jumbo, that uh, Q-tip of a man uh, unleashed the other day. Do we have that t- clip still laying around? Q-tip somewhere?
1: of a man.
2: I don't He's really... an odd looking fellow. Ned Price. There it is. Yeah, it was yesterday's clip 54. But
1: uh, We are opening here. the aperture. Yes, we're opening the aperture at the airport. <laughs> well, that's good, because I just got whipped, so I'm happy to hear the aperture is open. <laughs> we are opening the aperture. Oh, boy. Do you hear Armstrong and Getty's riffs on whipping? Oh, hilarious. (laughs) I know. I'm I'm increasingly uncomfortable with this segment. Boy, this is some breaking news that just came across. Senator Lindsey Graham said, if we leave one American or Afghan that helped us behind, then Joe Biden, in my view, has committed a high crime and misdemeanor on the Constitution and should be impeached. First official call for impeachment from a U.S. senator who's one of his best friends. I don't know what the relationship is now, but. A tad chilly, I'm guessing. Well, we
2: had a call for the 25th Amendment the other day by, uh, what's his name, Scott from
1: uh, Florida. Lindsey Graham calling for impeachment. Now, people throw around the I word uh, pretty willy-nilly in the, in the modern world. I don't know if you're Really? Aware of that. Why? What happened? Ah, <laughs> oh, boy. So how does mailbag look? Oh, it's
2: outstanding. One of my favorite freedom-loving quotes of the day of all time, sent along along by alert
1: listener Brandon. Oh, cool. I was going to ask you, so the general manager was mandates. What did you have in mind particularly?
2: Oh, just a a discussion of the various employers, governmental agencies mandating their people get a vaccine or they get fired.
1: Yeah, all the teachers, everybody that works at the school in Washington. Mm -hmm. Every single person. Um, Yeah, the state of Washington. And then what, oh, California yesterday, uh, no gatherings above 1,000 people without having to show your card to get in, which I don't know where mine is, but, uh, well, I actually had to call the pharmacy see if I could get a duplicate. The picture will count, but I've got 35,000 pictures in my phone, so it's going to take me a while to find it. I suppose I should find that. You got to put the little heart on there. Make it a favorite. It's a good idea. If they'll even take that. You know what I did the other day on my phone, which I'd never done before? I searched for a particular thing. That algorithm is a little frightening the fact that you can have it search for a particular human and out of like my 35,000 pictures i have in my phone it brought up all the pictures of that human really yeah that is uh that's how does it know but if my phone can do that the yeah what's the capabilities of the freaking government to do that yikes yeah i'd say uh we got a lot of stuff on the way uh bring you how does it know
2: how does it know? I'm thinking of uh, I don't know, just I'll, I'll uh, Ed, Ed, my friend Ed. <laughs> I don't, I don't f- want to use any real names, but I'm picturing a real friend. Uh, how the hell does my phone know that that particular face is Ed?
1: You have a real friend named Ed. Um, the the latest yeah, from if I do the latest from the Kabul airport that could explode. It's already one of the worst foreign policy situations we've had ever, and it could explode into. Something much, much worse at any moment, depending on one random Taliban dude. Lefty media is already calling it a catastrophe. Well, in what way is it not a catastrophe? Oh, it clearly is. Just how big is unclear. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Forgot to mention, the President of the United States is addressing the nation today after, uh, I think it's fair to say, a, a overall not well-received address earlier this week. And I don't think a well-received interview with George Stephanopoulos. Is that fair? Not just like by Fox and everybody, I just think in general. Oh, no he was murdered by everybody yeah so I think he's trying to get a little damage control going there making a third hack at it so far it's he's a only saddish so far there's no arguing that he made things worse for him I mean he had to come out and talk and he probably had to do an interview but both of them made his life worse because he said things that didn't fit with things he'd said before he came off as uh angry as opposed to in the least bit compassionate. Well, there, was pl- there were plenty of internal
2: contradictions, too. He'd say one thing and then contradict it a, a minute later or, or or render it ridiculous. It was just terrible. And, and uh, unless he's, you know, having a better day today or been better prepped or gotten a great big shot in the ass Trump used to talk about, uh, I don't know how it's going to be an improvement. It's, uh, do you get full credit for, I mean, just being terrible? Then being slightly less terrible, but not much. And then the third time around, getting it more or less right. I don't know. The catastrophe remains. Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day. Sent along by alert listener Brandon. He says, a couple of days ago, Joe mentioned that he loves the country and the Constitution, but perhaps not the government. That brought to mind the passage below by Mark Twain in Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you see my kind of loyalty was to one's country, not to its institutions or its office holders. The country is the real thing, the substantial thing, the eternal thing. It's the thing to watch over and care for and be loyal to. Institutions are extraneous. They are its mere clothing, and clothing can wear out, become ragged, cease to be comfortable, cease to protect the body from winter, disease, and death. To be loyal to rags, to shout for rags, to worship rags, to die for rags, that is a loyalty of unreason. It is purely animal. It belongs to monarchy, was invented by monarchy. let Monarchy Keep It. Hmm. Boy, that's some eloquent stuff right there. You know, I, I occasionally just, uh, my mind kind of rests on it. It's like uh, people who think uh, Stairway to Heaven is Led Zeppelin's only song. Uh, sometimes I forget there's a lot of stuff Twain wrote uh, uh, aside from the obvious. Um, You know, Huck Finn and the rest of it, Tom Sawyer. Um, that's terrific. Here's Mailbag.
1: Oh, my gosh.
2: Oh, my gosh. gosh. Speaking of catastrophe.
1: That is. This has been a rough week for America.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm so sorry. It's time to take a fond look back at the week.
1: There are listeners that enjoy nothing more (laughs) than when you do that.
2: (laughs) If I have brought them a little joy through my incompetence, I am happy. (laughs) Fond look back at the week. It's Cow Clips of the Week.
0: Have you been a good little Nazi?
3: Now what do you do with Shohei Ohtani? Be very, very careful.
1: That's bullshit. Oh, my other
3: chin. I'm only smiling because of all the glowing articles about Jake Sullivan and, and, and Joe Biden and his foreign policy experience. But the likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely.
2: But the Taliban, interestingly, they've played a political master
3: game.
0: Was there anyone on the ground there who thought this would go well, that this was a good idea? Uh, no. They're literally everywhere. They're over there, they're over there, they're over there, they're everywhere.
2: I'm hearing stories of Afghans saying that they're making suicide packs.
3: We knew it would happen, not quite this fast.
0: And you also had a really massive intelligence failure here. Plans are terrific and we take them seriously, but they are not and, and never have been
3: perfectly predictive the truth is this did unfold more quickly than we had anticipated
1: remember uh this is not saigon
3: this is a calamity a disaster a a completely botched operation but the idea that somehow there's a way to have gotten out without chaos ensuing i don't know how that happens
1: the incompetence of the Biden administration on this is, is is really overwhelming
3: but if we don't The The troops will stay. If we don't, we'll determine at the time who's left. And? And if there are American forces, if there's American citizens left, we're going to stay till we get them all out.
1: We are opening the aperture.
3: You're about to open a pit of hell! That was four days ago, five days ago. Are you shitting me?
1: No! Apparently, there's also been
3: a rapid withdrawal from Joe Biden. He looks like the only grandpa in the day room watching Jeopardy. I am president of the United States of America, and the buck stops with me. Thank you, sir. Your time has expired. Oof.
1: So New York Times is reporting Taliban is intensifying its search for Afghans who aided the U.S. or Britain. Uh, so they're going door-to-door threatening to kill or arrest family members who aided the United States. There's a decent possibility we look back on this past five days as, like, we had no idea what was coming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a rather detailed account of what's going on that is chilling. Ugh. Sickening.
2: Uh, if you'd like to be chilled and sick and stay with us. Mailbag. Answering Jack's question earlier this week, Jack asked, uh, what did the Afghans think would be the end result of trying to hang onto an airplane? I'm not sure if this is the answer, but in recent weeks we learned on the show that the Afghan people are so uneducated, some that they believe the moon is about the size it looks in the sky, and they laughed at the idea of people walking on it. Perhaps they see airplanes floating slowly across the
1: sky, peacefully approaching the airport, and think, all I have to do is hang on. You know, you could be right. I I, I did ask, I wonder how many of those people have ever flown on a flight.
2: Right. I think you're probably right.
1: Maybe very few of them. Al
2: Anonymous writes: Ah, uh, to give you an update on things happening that are Afghanistan-related. I'm a high-ranked, uh, high-ranking military officer on an American airbase in southern Italy. I was born on an American airbase in northern Italy. Anyway. Yesterday after evening, we were notified of the following. We are set to receive over a 1,000 refugees from Afghanistan today. They'll be staying on the base for at least 10 days, and we'll provide them with food in the chow hall, medical services, etc. Uh, it's not clear if this is going to be continual flow of refugees, but uh, they're hidden American uh, installations by the thousands now. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, this is interesting. Unanimous, golfing buddy and life coach of Al-Nanimous, he says... Uh, says, while the events in Afghanistan continue to unfold, I hope all the folks who thought an insurrection was what took place in D.C. on January 6th now realize how poo-filled their perceptions were and have updated their Wikipedia wisdom accordingly to recognize there's a genuine textbook insurrection currently in progress. Uh, he mentions people who smiled in selfies in the Capitol. That was a moment of indiscretion, not an insurrection.
1: We've got the latest on what's going on in Kabul, the latest on the freaking covid the latest on the economy, all that sort of stuff on the way. Uh, you can always text us or uh, grab an hour of the podcast if you miss any of it. Go to ArmstrongandGetty.com.
0: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show found ourselves leaders in the United States of America. Look for your vaccination card and be prepared to show it. You know, I tested this out myself at Saffron's on Saturday, I believe. And uh, no problem, I was proud. Had my card laminated, bam, pulled it out. And then uh, my friend who I was with, she had her LA wallet, bam,
1: pulled it out. And we had a great time dining. That's the mayor of New Orleans. Pulled out my vaccination card. Bam! Had it laminated.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, much more on Afghanistan to come. But on the topic of uh, vaccines and mandates and and that sort of thing.
1: Let me hit you with the current numbers, Joe. Hit me. The various latest. Cases are up 44%. The rolling 14-day average. Cases are up 44%. Cases are always... Difficult because there's way more testing going on and you know, all that sort of stuff. But I don't care about cases deads, unless it's cases of beer. Deads. Uh, the rolling 14-day average is up 108%, and the latest number was a 911 deaths. So we're approaching 1,000 a day. I believe it is the state of Alabama has zero ICU
2: beds available.
1: At this point, they're inundated. Obviously, if you're at around 1,000 a day, you're going to have 30,000 people die in a month. Yeah, which is, you know, getting back to the numbers from back when we were talking about this all the time. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's not good. So more on that to come. Uh, I'm going to read you a, a, a question, an email real quickly, and then, uh, then we will discuss. Uh, da, 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 long time loyal listener, Wendy here. I was so disappointed in what Jack said. He's okay with Washington State firing people because they don't get the vaccine. What happened to Liberty? What happened to limiting the government, telling people what to put in their bodies, what to do with their personal health? I love you guys. I will continue to listen because you guys are great. But, oh, my my adopted sons have gone off the rails.
1: That's interesting, you know, because the greatest defender of Liberty I know in my life is National Treasurer Tim Sandifer. Mm-hmm. And he is somebody that has been making the argument that, look, you can go back to George Washington, where the government mandated things because of various uh, disease outbreaks. Right. Let me let me put it
2: to you like this, Wendy. Um, and and Jack shares this with me, a deep and abiding mistrust of the government, of uh, the bureaucracies, of the various talking heads. We have a bitter distrust of granting temporary emergency powers because they'll almost always become permanent plus they're a dress rehearsal for implementing them again and again and again we could not be more suspicious of uh, you know granting any additional power to the government ever on the other hand and and there are quite a few of you that have hit us with emails or sent along links to articles and, and about the fascists and the, the Nazis trying to get you to do this blah 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 the one thing that your arguments don't address is the con- concept of an ex- externality I'm a hardcore property rights guy, but I can't set a tire fire. On my front lawn and render the rest of my neighborhood uninhabitable.
1: I can't. I gotta. I gotta run home real quick.
2: <laughs> you know, I can't uh, start uh, some. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing. Uh, I have a friend in this business. I'm going to start doing metal coating of equipment, and I'm just going to let the toxic waste run into the sores. That's an externality, and the thing. And, and I'm not trying to talk you into agreeing. I'm just saying the one thing that uh, the reason. We are ambivalent about the topic that you're 100% certain about is that you are putting out virus. If you have the virus, you're smoking when you walk into a room, not like a tire fire, but you are putting out virus. And so, I mean, for instance, there are all sorts of references. This is my body. This is my personal health. You're creating an externality. That's where it gets a little more complicated than most of some of you are putting
1: it. Yeah, I think it's like the difference between drunk driving or helmet and seatbelt laws. I hate helmet and seatbelt laws. Hate them. Hate them. Hate them. Hate them. Couldn't hate them more. I get angry every time I have to put on my helmet because the government makes me. I might wear them on my own, but the fact that they make me pisses me off. On the other hand, drunk driver who might kill me—that absolutely should be against the law. If you have the worst epidemic in a hundred years and you want kids to go to school and there's a vaccine to deal with the disease. I don't know. I just can't see the argument against making the teachers get the vaccine.
2: Fair enough. If you'd like to craft one, email us mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. That's mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Or uh, text us 415-295-KFTC. And hey, sometimes we change our minds around here. I realize in talk radio, you're supposed to be 100% certain all the time. And and, and anybody who disagrees with you in the slightest way, you're stupid. But you know, these are complicated issues. And they're tough.
1: Had Mike Slater on what, about a week ago? From uh, AM760 in uh, in San Diego. He's one of the smartest people I've ever known, I've ever come across. And he's super anti getting the vaccine. So different points of view. And he's still our friend.
2: Oh, oh, my. Okay. So uh, back to the horror.
1: Oh, no. You want to get back to that now? Okay. Uh, We could.
2: I don't know. I'm asking. We're going to end up there soon enough.
1: I saw that uh, a judge overruled the governor of Texas and said you can't outlaw mask mandates in schools. Is that correct? Ah, that may be, uh, yeah. That's right, in Texas. I'm really tired of the way... I guess this is the way the justice system has always worked, and it's just more uh, displayed more now, so we're more aware of the fact that it's happening. But these various blanket rules from presidents or governors, and then a judge steps in and changes the direction for a week or two, and then a panel of three judges steps in and turns it back the other direction. I I guess that's the best system you can come up with, but it's uh, not handy.
2: Well, what's different, and, and we all know this, is there's just been an explosion in executive orders. And during this health emergency... Um, the the powers that are granted during an emergency lead to more heavy-handed executive actions. Yeah, so
1: I think that's a really interesting one from a liberty-loving government standpoint of whether or not you want the governor to make it against the law for any school in your entire giant state that takes two days to drive across and has all kinds of different situations. Uh, with you know different populations, different level of COVID, all these different things. You want the governor centrally to decide the school can't do that, as opposed to having a local, more local control with the school board informed by local parents on whether or not they think it's a good idea to wear masks at their school. Yeah, yeah.
2: The health authorities have been so wrong and so heavy-handed and so dishonest. Um, time after time, people's distrust of them has turned into... Something close to hatred. And so I, I get it. I get why, uh, why they want to say no freaking state health idiot can force my kid into a mask. Um, I get that. I'm not sure it's a
1: healthy way to deal with a complex and changing situation. Of course, nothing's stopping you from wearing a mask. Nobody can stop you from wearing a mask. Right. How yeah. much? But if you're in a room full of people unmasked and you're wearing a mask, how much good that does? Yeah, I have no idea, and neither does anybody else, really. I don't, as far as I can tell. Well, yeah, read three different studies, get three different results. Um, but yeah, your opinions on this always welcome. Text line four one five two nine five KFTC. How about we take a break and then we'll get to. Uh, I'm just we're just grabbing this report off a of CNN that happened uh, this hour. She's at the Kabul airport for CNN. And she's describing the scene there. At some point, she says this is, I think she said this is the most harrowing situation I've ever seen. This is someone who is in Fallujah. I mean, that, uh, Award. Yeah, yeah. that's... Clarissa Ward. Yeah, that's gruesome. Anyway, she, well, she'll mention in this report, I think the part we're going to air, there have been people waiting in line there in the hot summer sun with no facilities for two days. Hoping that they can get in. At some point, it's going to become a disaster of people just passing out and dying, waiting in line. Yikes. Um, I think. Anyway, that's on the way. Uh, You'll want to stick around for it.
0: Armstrong and Getty. Mm -hmm.
1: So one of the best foreign correspondents in uh, journalism is Clarissa Ward, who I I don't know why she left CBS. When Laura Logan left 60 Minutes, Clarissa Ward became the next foreign correspondent for 60 Minutes. Isn't that like the best gig in America?
2: Um, CNN's got a history of writing big, giant checks to lure people away. Well,
1: Jake Tapper, for instance. They must have. Or she just enjoys the stench of Wolf Blitzer. I don't know oh. what's going on there. But So what she begins talking about, have you seen the videos or pictures of, uh, it happened a couple of times, but moms handing their babies up to Marines on the top of the wall around the airport. Just unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Anyway, here's Clarissa Ward. That's Warden. love and desperation. It's amazing. Uh, she. This was live this past hour from the Kabul airport.
0: Honestly, what kind of desperation does a parent have to be in where that's your best hope is to try to throw your baby to a soldier to get them out to save them from being crushed to give them a better future and i think there is nothing that illustrates better the panic the chaos the fear than that description i talked to another british soldier who started talking to me and he just started weeping he said i've done two tours in helmand But the PTSD I will have from this last week is worse than either of those deployments because people are getting trampled. You have to remember, there's a huge amount of people, thousands and thousands and thousands, if not tens of thousands. There are multiple gates and entrances. You have the Americans, you have the Brits, you have the Italians, you have the French, you have the Hungarians. I mean, we have seen pretty much every nationality you can conceive of who has or had a presence here in Afghanistan. So you have a lot of, and you have the state department and you have the Marines and you have special forces. And it is very hectic and very difficult. You know, you see people looking for vehicles, traffic jams building up inside the base, people trying to squeeze around blast walls. There just isn't a coherent mechanism yet in place to process these people. You know, even something simple like tents, please get these people some tents. Okay, I'm okay. But the women with their babies, they can't be standing out in the 95 degree sun for eight hours. They just can't. They're getting water. They're handing out MREs, military meals ready to eat. And they're doing their best they can. But it is still uh, a really, really, really tough situation here.
1: That's just incredible. And I'm looking at the pictures as I play this. It's just incredible. And Well, and she left out uh, for the moment the, the violence being inflicted by the Taliban. Yeah, this is on the, this is on the good side of the wall. Um, yeah, well, you got a British soldier who's, who fought the Taliban in Helmand province, breaking down crying because this is a worse scene. Oh, boy, that is a failure. So, well, this will come up. I have a point to make but it. It will come up in this David Ignatius piece that is in the Washington Post today. The best and brightest never recovered from Vietnam. Will Biden's team fare any better? The Afghanistan disaster has rocked the Biden administration's foreign policy team, which may need months to regain its sense of balance and momentum. Um, The reversals in Afghanistan are confounding for a Biden national security team that is rarely known personal failure. Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor, went to Yale, Oxford, and then Yale Law School. Anthony Blinken, secretary of state, attended Harvard and Columbia Law. These are America's best and brightest who came to the messy endgame of the Afghanistan war with spotless resumes. That's one of the parallels to the Vietnam War, where a similar group of brilliant policymakers who had rarely experienced failure was confounded by an obdurate enemy from another century. What's obdurate mean? Stubborn. Uh, The U.S. foreign policy establishment of the 1960s hit a wall with Vietnam and never recovered. We'll see what happens with the Biden team that is interesting if you I, I read the book the best and the brightest if you've ever you know followed any of that stuff you had all these brainiac went to colleges studied all the you know intricacies of the theory of all these things and then ran into the reality on the ground of the brutality and uh and it just didn't you know quite come together with the way they were hoping um There's one more part that I really wanted to get in here because I thought it was interesting. Oh, White House officials thought they had enough time to conduct an orderly withdrawal of American citizens and Afghans who'd worked with U.S. forces. And they wanted to avoid the panic that might be caused by a more rapid evacuation. Indeed, when Ghani, the president of Afghanistan, visited the White House just about a month and a half ago, his main request to Joe Biden was that they slow the departure of Americans and Afghans who had served as translators or contractors to avoid the destabilizing appearance of a rush to the exit. That is becoming more known, and more people are discussing that now. So the president of Afghanistan was saying, no, 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 no. Everything will fall apart. If people see that you're getting everybody out, they're going to think, oh, my God, they think it's over. Right. Complete loss of confidence in the regime, and then it's over. You have to admit that is a conundrum.
2: Yes, it is. Yeah. On the other hand, uh, in spite of what the president vacuously claimed the other day you have to have a plan for if it all goes to hell and the idea that nobody predicted this is a absolute lie lie and and i have an example of a, a gent who did predict it and has been begging the administration at the high levels for some time to get a plan ready
1: there's no doubt that that's true. We talked about that yesterday. It was really the story of the day because the Wall Street Journal, I think, broke the story of uh, all kinds of memos and everything floating around, a warning of this sort of thing. On the other hand, you know, who's seen all those memos? The guy who runs the CIA, the director of the CIA, William J. Burns Simpson, eh? uh, Mr. Burns runs the CIA. He was so unaware that this could happen so soon. He was on a week long trip. Uh, In the middle of it and didn't return until Sunday, the day Kabul uh, Kabul fell, just the day before he had planned. So he was traveling around on another thing while this was all going on because he didn't think clearly he didn't think this was going to happen.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So coming up in a couple of minutes, a report uh, on what is actually happening in Kabul and why people are fleeing to the airport as fast as they can in spite of the crush and the crowds and the whippings and the rest of it. Uh, you would,
1: too, if yeah. you were in their situation. Well, that's the point Clarissa Ward was making. How bad must it be if people are willing to to go through whippings, possible shootings, whatever, you know, anytime you're a stroke, heat stroke and stand in the sun for two days and everything like that, throw your baby to to a rando from another country. That's how awful it must be to face the idea of uh, living with the Taliban. And to give you an idea where the Taliban is right now, she's their their charm offensive that they put on earlier in the week. I don't know who that was for. I mean, because it only lasted like 48 hours. So they did that press conference the other day. They even went on TV there in Kabul with a well-known newscaster. It's a female. She's one of the best-known newscasters in Kabul. And uh, and she does the evening news every night. And they went and talked to her. and We're, we're live on her show talking about how women are going to have much more opportunities under the new Taliban and, and uh, you know, more rights and all that sort of thing. She showed up to work yesterday. The place was uh, bolted up, Guys with guns told her she needed to go back home. She's done. She is no longer going to be the newscaster there at that yeah. TV station.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The whole kinder, gentler Taliban thing is uh, bitterly hilarious to people who've observed them. It's just a ploy to get some level of legitimacy from, you know, international uh, sources or just to, uh, to so the to keep any uprisings from rising up until they fully established control and then let the brutality begin. It's already begun. It's just a little more muted than it's been at times in the past.
1: Well, if you can have a 180 like that in a couple of days from, oh, no, 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 we're happy to be here on your show. I I pictured them on there. I didn't see the video. I picture them on there sitting on a couch drinking out of those really big coffee cups that people do on talk shows. Um, If the Taliban can go on there and say, oh, no, (laughs) no, this is going to be this is the new and kinder, gentler Taliban. And of course, you can be on TV. And then two days later, you meet her with a gun at work and tell her to go home. She's done. At what point do they do the same thing with the security around the airport? That they said, no, 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 we'll let you get your people out. At what point did they say, no, that we're done with that? And they just they just turn their machine guns toward the people that are lined up inside there, U.S. citizens and Afghan interpreters and everything like that. That is a Taliban sort of thing to do. They've done that sort of thing. Do you remember the 90s when they were slaughtering people and stoning them in the soccer stadium and blowing up the, the Buddhist... T- Uh, statues and all that sort of stuff. They're crazy people. Well, they'll start doing that sort of thing the
2: second it's to their advantage to do it. Period. They're like a reptile.
1: They're like an alligator. They have no conscience. Uh, If you have any insight on any of this, our text line is 415-295-KFTC. If you miss an hour, you can catch it on the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com.
0: Armstrong and Getty.